Welcome to the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we explore the interesting lives of business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and others who have a healthy dose of the entrepreneurial spirit. It is time to explore something cool. Now, here is your host, Tom Singer. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Thank you for pulling your chair up to the cool kids' table, where every episode, or most episodes, because the truth is sometimes it's just me talking, but most episodes, I try to interview really cool people who are doing interesting things in the world of their business. Now, people work in all different types of industries who I bring onto the show, and some people are solopreneurs, some have small businesses. I've interviewed CEOs, business leaders of large corporations, and everything in between. Between, but the whole idea is this show is for you who is tuned in to listen to give you some inspiration to help you sort of get that spark if you want to go create your own path in the world. And I know from talking to a lot of people who listen to this show, that's why you tune in. So if this is your 315th episode or if this is your first time listening, welcome to Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Today, we're going to have a great chat. I'm really excited about this because if you listen to the show regularly, you know a little bit of my history. You know that as a kid, I wanted to be an actor. And I really wanted to be an actor, but I didn't have sort of that drive, that gumption, that little spark that makes people take the leap. My parents thought this was a horrible idea. And while they didn't try to pee on my dreams, uh, they never said, hey, let's help you out. Let's take you, uh, you know, to Los Angeles and help you, you know, sort of find your way. And the worst part of that is I grew up in Los Angeles. I was about 15 minutes away from Hollywood. I could have gotten on a bus. Hell, at 16, I had a car. I could have driven down. I could have hung out with people. But I didn't know how to do that. It took me until my 40s to sort of light that entrepreneurial flame and chase what I want to do. But today, we've got a guest who lives in that world. We have Kevin E. West with us here on Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. And he is a veteran television actor with over 60 credits, including Aquarius, Criminal Minds, Bones, Castle, CSI Miami, Justified, Touch, Leverage, Lost. Lost, that was like really cool. 24, one of my favorite shows, Desperate Housewives. As I'm reading through this list, and yes, it goes on, I'm thinking, I've watched this guy on TV, and I didn't even know it. I didn't know when I was watching all these shows over the years that that actor would be right here on this show. He is also the founder (laughs) of the Actors Network and the creator of Actor Biz Guru, and it's an industry interview video series. And both of those things have won awards. His bio continues to go on and on and on, but I'd rather have him tell you who he is than read a bio. So Kevin E. West, welcome to Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Thanks, Tom. It's my pleasure to be here, man. I'm, I'm just really happy that I'm actually getting to be at the cool kids table. That's right. That's, that's, that's what right. I like. Well, you know, I, reading your bio, I think you've sat at the cool kids table many, many times. So I, you know, I hate <laughs> these bios that people send to me because it's all like, and Kevin did this and Kevin did that. Why don't you tell everybody, what is your business? What do you do? Who is Kevin E. West? Well, Kevin E. West came to Los Angeles to, to be a paid performer. That's why I moved here from rural Tennessee via Atlanta. But along the way, I slowly after my time of moving here discovered, and it really, Tom, came out of just ironically, as we were chatting before, of what I witnessed was a a great deal of frustration and what I thought was unnecessary pain amongst the non-star, non-working actor community when I got here. And so one day I decided, hey, you know, and I sat down, got a piece of paper, put out a bunch of ideas. This is back in 1991, funny enough. 
and uh, had a meeting in my apartment. And that meeting of seven people on May 1st, 1991, eventually turned into an organization called the Actors Network, of which Hollywood had never seen before and Hollywood has never seen since. And it was a business information education networking organization that was a small business that uh, was brick and mortar that I ran for 23 and a half years. And a little over four years ago, I transitioned to online only where I, I recorded 150 minute webinars, 25 hours of content um, and uh, published a book, et cetera, et cetera. But all in the vein of truly honest education with regards to the pursuit of this profession as a career. See, I think that's so great because maybe if that had been around in 1982 and 84 and, and 89 when I wanted to be an actor, I would have had a chance to sort of learn some of that an easy way. But, of course, that didn't exist and uh, I never found it. So, uh, you know, here I am. Living no, in- actually, Tom, they, they told me you were leaving in Los Angeles and so I started it then. <laughs> yeah, I, no- I noticed I left California in 1991 and that's when you launched the business. Your timing was really good. It, Thanks. It- Thanks, Kevin. Pure genius, pure genius. <laughs> I could have been the eighth person in that room. I see that my whole future uh, got got changed by that. So, so you have been a working actor, and at the same time, you've had this entrepreneurial endeavor in Hollywood. So, what led you? I mean, a lot of people go to Hollywood and they, you know, put the ladder against the wall and they go to auditions and they do their stuff and they wait for the phone to ring. And of course, this was in the day before cell phones; you had to sit around a lot. You didn't sit around. You started something. So what caused you not to just be the, the typical guy who moves to Hollywood and, and, and tries to act, but in addition to actually acting and working, you started a business. What, what caused you to do that? Well, I, with all due respect, Tom, to, to being one of the cool kids and the entrepreneurs, I, I, I don't know that I was trying to be an entrepreneur at the time, although the way I grew up, which was very independent, I grew up in a single parent home with a sister and a mother, and I was working at the time I was 11 years old. I was also, by nature, in, in baseball and, and collegiate athletics. Um, third base, not really a patient position in baseball. Um, <laughs> that's the reason why they call it the hot corner. Uh, so I was always a fairly energetic or disruptive, whichever kind of teacher may have viewed me as such. And so, again, I took my time when I came to L.A. Uh, I did stand-up comedy for a couple of years, and I I did a couple of my own shows on public television and got involved in the typical audition process. But as noted, four years into being here, I simply began to recognize that there was a huge gap in sort of my belief system about what the word pursue meant versus what it seemed to mean amongst my community. And for whatever reason, I simply wanted – to engage people, you know, not a bad way or not a judgmental way, but in a way of like, Hey man, you know, you can actually do more and accomplish more if you want to. And I suppose that's probably the entrepreneur that's in me naturally that led to me sort of becoming entrepreneurial in having started the actors network. So tell us a little bit more about the actors network. I'm, I'm actually very intrigued by this and haven't really done all my homework. So let everybody know a little bit more about what it is. Well, back in the day, I mean, and, and certainly it, it's the model of the Actors Network is not anything that would be that unusual in corporations, but it just didn't exist, Tom, with regards to artists. You know, actors get pictures taken. They they would do student films or create a demo reel, and they certainly would go to class. These were the standard things people did. And then, you know, whether it was Yale or Harvard or NYU, they would say, you know, or UCLA or USC, that, hey, you know, get an agent, good luck. And that's about all you got. Um, and... The Actors Network was a business education place. We had 
basically four points of, of information. One was we had guest speakers from the industry come in, uh, agents and casting people who did just Q&A. They, we were not what's called a workshop company, which exists in L.A. It was, it was information. And then we also had special guests come in who were the vendors around town, teachers and photographers and uh, demo reel editors and image consultants. And again, all of this, the whole premise was about more information and understanding that you're a product for sale. And then I spoke, I, I slowly began to develop a curriculum, uh, which we called topical discussions of things that I was experiencing, things that I invented. And over the course of the time of the organization, I basically created a, 125 hours of content in my head, you know, from freshman to graduate degree of all the stuff we face in this business. So I would speak four to six times a month. And then the other fourth point was we had at the time were called sessions, but we eventually transitioned to being called power groups. And what they were, Tom, is nothing that you haven't certainly experienced in corporate America where you come to a monthly meeting and there's a structure to it that's about what you've been doing, what you're going to do, and then being held responsible to do those things, which is normal in the corporate world. But Hollywood on the non-star actor level had never really seen this. And it was one of the things that caused the organization to win awards we won Backstage West, back-to-back, -back, best of, uh, consecutively. Um, but it, as much as actors loved it, uh, they also struggled with it because this is a profession that doesn't really have any entry barrier to it, and it doesn't really have any consequences. As I used to say all the time, you can't get fired from a job you don't have. So <laughs> the, the mentality – thank you. Thank you for the laugh. I'm, I'm working for the laugh there, man. Um, I, I very much – you know, rec so people knew they needed it. But yet it was kind of like that, you know, the bittersweet taste of medicine you have to take, but you don't like the taste of it. Um, you know, being responsible to something that sometimes is very subjective, very intangible and feels like we can't do is, is sort of a paradox. And, uh, you know, the organization was critically acclaimed. Um, it certainly uh, struggled to pay its bills just from the standpoint of, you know, sort of most actors don't have a lot of money and it was a very inexpensive place. But the entrepreneurial part of it was always to be driving driving the bus of innovation of what you could do to not only help yourself, but also help others because our credo was help us help you help all of us. So that's kind of what was the foundational four elements, the four pillars, I would say of the actors network. So, you know, there's a lot of pieces of that, but unpacking one of them, what you're really talking about of, of that sort of session group thing is really, we talk a lot on the show about mastermind groups and there's, there's a lot. Correct. And exactly. There, yeah. And there's a lot of ways you can define a mastermind group. I'm, I'm involved with several. Uh, I host an online sort of paid mastermind group called the potential project. And it's all about people who, you know, they, they feel that they're stuck. They want to sort of launch their potential and we get together online and we chat about what people are trying to accomplish. It gives people that accountability, uh, different perspectives and things like that. I'm also part of a non-paid mastermind group that is just for professional speakers. It started off, there were five of us, but over the five years, four years we've existed, one one peeled off and took a full-time job. But the rest of us, I mean, we've almost become like siblings. We, we rent a house somewhere in the country a couple times a year. We move in and we unpack all the details of our business and we kick each other in the pants a little bit to keep going. And people ask me about my success as a speaker because not unlike the acting business, which is sort of where I ended up, I wanted to be an actor as a kid, and I ended up as a professional speaker. And I feel that I'm, I'm, I'm living out my dream. I've just changed the stage that I'm on. But uh, you know, people ask me about my success that I've had and how I've grown my business, and I couldn't have done it if it wasn't for having these other people who I'm engaged with in in this mastermind group and then several others that I've participated in. So I think what you did is brought something to Hollywood that 
is common in you know certain parts of of the corporate world. Some people, when I talk about mastermind groups, have no idea what I'm talking about. But but you brought something there, and I imagine for the people who really engaged, it changed their careers. Oh, uh, it did 100. percent And and myself, even being somebody who had the personality of doing stand-up and that sort of thing as well. Tom, listen, I didn't start out to be a public speaker, but I've been public speaking now for 25 years because I facilitated every one of those groups. And then I spoke in front of people for for 20-some years. And then eventually I just branched out and started speaking in public. But th- there is no question that the people who really, and it's like a lot of things, you know, one to 3%, you know, two to 10%, but the people you are correct, who really dug in and really made themselves responsible to what the curriculum of our power groups were, uh, they unequivocally changed the direction of their career. And there are people all over television today and all over Hollywood that were, that are alumni of the Actors Network that you would maybe not know their name. I mean, you would know Masioka's name from Heroes and you would know Maggie Grace's name from Taken, but there are people all over Hollywood that you see on television all the time that were all members of the Actors Network. And every time I point at them, they were people who got involved, stay involved, and they did the work. They showed up to those meetings with the agenda in hand that they were that there was the purpose of what the meeting was for. Um, and so, you know, like I said, it wasn't something that was really new to the world or new to the entrepreneurial business world, but it's not something that had really been done in the way that we did it going all the way back to 91 in terms of the, the acting community. It was kind of a, a new, new wrinkle for this community. And I would imagine that the people who engaged and participated also built friendships with each other. And uh, Hollywood's no different than any other business. I mean, people do business with those that they know, they like, and they trust. And, and when I talk to, to people I know who work in the industry, whether it's behind the scenes in, in sound uh, you know, production or you know, uh, on the acting side, everybody tells me that people get work through connections. And so I imagine the people who, who played over a period of time also made friendships that probably still impact them positively 10, 20 years later. Well, 100%. I, I, I can tell you, uh, as we speak, probably, probably 10 or 15 marriages came out of the Actors Network, uh, <laughs> several different productions, several different groups. Matter of fact, I know a guy who's shooting a film right now that it, of the five or six cast members, two or three of them were members of the Actors Network that he met 15 years ago. That this, we're, it's all, and I'm sure you know, I think there were a couple of divorces as well. I, I don't think I was responsible for those, Tom. <laughs> yeah, but, don't take credit for that. Uh, Just take credit for the marriages. I don't think you're, um, but no, you, you're 100% right. Uh, 5,000 people came through the organization over its time. And, you know, despite certainly the percentage that either went back to the country they were from or people who went back, you know, to their respective states and didn't stay in Hollywood, of the people that are here, um, it, it is amazing sort of the spider web of connectedness of degrees of separation where people can tra- trace back where they are today. And inevitably, for a lot of them, it goes back to having met somebody at the Actors Network. Well, you know, Very true. And, and I listen to a lot of podcasts, and every now and then someone will share an idea, and I'll twist it and say, how does that work in my industry? How can I make that work in the speeches that I give, in the trainings and facilitation that I do? And so somebody out there has to be listening who has to say, hey, wait a minute, in my industry – there's not something like this because, you know, you made reference to it's really common in corporate America. I actually beg to differ that it's not nearly as common as you might think it is. So somewhere out there, someone's listening to this right now. If you can take this idea that Kevin just shared and morph it into something that would work in your world, you can not only make it into a business, but you can also impact lives for years to come. So hopefully somebody's listening who just sat up in their chair and said, I can do that. 
That would be awesome. <laughs> I, I, you know, that you have to have two things to, to make it work. Uh, and one of them is that the whoever is in charge of it uh, has to be well spoken about whatever subject matter or whatever it is you're covering. And it has to take consistent weekly commitment. Yeah. And those are three words that a lot of people in any industry sometimes don't necessarily like. And we all struggle with that, right? We all have ideas. If you don't have that consistent you know, commitment, then it's not, it's not going to make it. So you've been out there since 1987. You've been you know, working. You've been helping people learn and grow. You've been doing all sorts of, of different things between stand-up and improv and, and writing books and speaking. What is it that you love about the sort of entrepreneurial life that you've created? Well, uh, what was funny is I, I had I really, honestly, Tom, had no idea what I was getting myself into. I, I, I truly, you know, you can you can read books. It's like parenting. You can read all the books you want. But the truth of the matter is the one thing that I think is the greatest and simultaneously the most difficult aspect of being an entrepreneur is time management. Because depending on what type of business you have started, uh, and Hollywood in so many ways is, is not in remotely a nine to five business. Uh, it, it becomes 24 seven in your life. And I was not even aware of how much, and, and I was working, I was doing television all throughout these years. Uh, I, I was not aware uh, as cognitively as I would like to have been as how much being an entrepreneur had taken over my life. <laughs> and so that's what, you know, at one hand, you could sort of – and I appreciate the laugh. Uh, one hand, you could sort of manipulate your schedule a little bit. I could sort of decide in the month where I was going to speak in the schedule that was the commitment to the membership. And I could you know, move things around here and there. That was, the, the, to me, the bonus part of being an entrepreneur was, the, was being able to have some control, master of your destiny in terms of your schedule. But on the other hand, uh, you, it, was a, it was a small company. I didn't have a lot of support staff. And so much ultimately fell on me that, you know, I still was at home and on Saturdays and Sundays, um, not really having a, much of a break. So it was a combo. It depends on how successful your business becomes. But I also learned initially in your small business, being an entrepreneur, sometimes how expensive success can be. Because there was a period of time when the Actors Network kind of exploded for a couple of years. And again, we were an inexpensive place because of our customer base. But it, that explosion, I remember laughing to myself later at how expensive it was to keep up with the supposed success that you were having. So for me, it was, it was time management. And it was also being surprised that just because it seems as though you're doing well customer-wise, there is a period of growth that, that is very costly. So those were a couple of things that, that stand out to me looking back, uh, not really having been prepared uh, for what this was going to become. No, and then that, that makes total sense because that's the story of my life. I'm having the, the busiest year I've had in the eight years that I've been a speaker. But at the same time, it's like I'm constantly on the go. I think I traveled 140 days this year, and I still have a kid at home. I, I have one kid in college, and she doesn't care where I am, I don't think. But uh, I still have a high school student at home, and you know, I have my wife. And so it's like keeping all the balls in the air. And then when I'm home, you know, I, I do 100 episodes of this podcast a year and everything else that I, I fully understand that it can be not only all-encompassing, but also sort of a little bit exhausting. But if you like it, the other side is, is that, you're, you know, I know now that I'm pursuing what I should have been pursuing all along, at least in some format. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I 100%, once I finally started to adjust to it, I became 
far more aware of how to manage my career along with this business. And, and sometimes some of that comes at, at sacrifice. And I, I think, uh, you know, listen, Tom, you, you cover obviously a lot of episodes with a lot of entrepreneurs. Um, and if somebody were to ask me, you know, Kevin, what do you think is the, is the number one key to being a successful entrepreneur? And I, I would have to say, and it doesn't make me right. It's just my opinion that you have to really, really love whatever your business is. There's a lot of business models and a lot of things you can just go, Hey, you know, this business seems to be trending well, or there's a franchisee scenario in this particular city and it's a good location. But I think that entrepreneurship is going to be extraordinarily difficult if you're just doing it as a way to quote unquote, make a living. And you don't have some sense of a passion about what it is your business is about. Um, that, that would be a strong feeling that I would have because I could never have done what I did uh, with the Actors Network if it wasn't intrinsically tied to sort of what I was doing in my own career and the passion associated with my fellow peers. I just couldn't have done it. So then that transitions into sort of my next question, next question is, is what advice do you have for somebody who says, hey, I want to go, I want to go do my own thing. I mean, beyond the fact that they have the passion, what else would you tell them? Well, I, again, mine kind of evolved by accident. I didn't, I had sat down and put together a lot of documentation with regards to how it would function, but I didn't do, certainly didn't do any research as to what was out there. And again, 1991 being a different era in terms of research, research is so much easier now, but I do think that you have to pay vast, vast attention to what your lifestyle already is before you start a business and understand that for at least three to five years, you're probably going to have to take some severe hits into what that lifestyle is. And I don't mean just financially at all, Tom. I'm talking about the way you're used to getting up in the morning, the way that your day goes or the way you view your evenings. And once again, as you just said, you're married and you have a child and you're gone all the time. Uh, and some of those factors come into play with regards to, you know, what is your spouse or partner going to think of this venture? Are they involved in it with you? Can you really work with them? Is your relationship going to survive the stress of being an entrepreneur? These are a lot of factors that don't have anything to do with all the nuts and bolts of, you know, buying a book that says entrepreneurs for dummies, you know, that talks about getting a business license or being an S corp. And, you know, those are all tangible things you can learn, but they're not the things to me that, that really truly impact the leader of a business who's an entrepreneur is going to be a lot of the stuff that happens outside of the functioning and operation of that business. And I don't think we spend enough time examining who we are and what our life is like and, and how this is going to impact that before we step into doing it. We always wind up looking at the numbers and, you know, spreadsheets and charts and metrics and, you know, research and geography and location and all of these things. And we leave out the human part of the person, the very person has to get up and drive that bus every single day. <laughs> and, 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 and I always say that it's like I, my, my company should be called Sisyphus because not only am I driving the bus, I'm pushing a rock to the top <laughs> of the hill. And every morning I wake up and that rock is back at the bottom of the hill and I get to go push it all the way back up every single day. But I know. And I hate it when that happens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But you know what? I kind of like it. So at the same time, it's, it, it's all right. Hey, Kevin, I can't let you go yet. I got more questions for you because you're doing, you're, you're living the life that I wanted to live as a teenager and I never did. So uh, I want to keep you on here as long as I can. But first, I've got to thank the sponsor of this episode. 
So this episode is brought to you by Podfly Productions. Podfly takes the time and the headache out of growing your own podcast. They set you up with the right equipment, training, and guidance to ensure that you sound amazing. Podfly does all the heavy lifting and the technical work so that you can focus on creating great content, growing your audience, and interviewing really cool people like Kevin E. West. Hey, if you want to start a podcast, and I know that some of you do, jump over to podfly.net slash cool things and check out the offer that they have for the listeners of this show. So, Kevin, I call the show Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. What is the coolest thing you're doing with your career right now? Well, uh, I am in the process. Funny enough, Tom, I'm, I'm in the process of not, I don't want to use the word transition, but I am in the process of spending more and more time moving my public speaking away from show business and into social issues and social justice. Nice. That's, uh, I'm going to be looking to do a TED Talk next year. The TED Talk will still be showbiz based because that's most of my history, but I'm currently contributing to a weekly political podcast and a weekly acting podcast simultaneously. But um, I will be pushing more and more on the, the entrepreneurial part of my life that came out of, funny enough, the very organization that made me an entrepreneur, what came out of that was public speaking. And so now I'm going to be pushing the envelope more with regards to public speaking uh, as, as an entrepreneur um, and even moving away from what most people know me to speak on and be speaking on more things related to life. Sure. That's well, what I'm doing right now. Well, keep it in mind. I'm happy to help you in any way. I've been an active member of the National Speakers Association for the last eight and a half years, and uh, that's the only way I make money. So uh, I've, I've actually figured out how to make it a career. I'm happy to share any ideas. And then on the social justice side, uh, a lady who's been a guest on this show more than anybody else, she's the holds the record for the most times on cool things entrepreneurs do is a woman named Jessica Pettit, P-E-T-T-I-T-T. And you should check her out. She's one of the leading speakers on causes around inclusion and social justice issues, both in uh, politics, but also inner human social justice issues. So she's probably a good person for you to know. Absolutely. See, I, I got to have your career and you got to have mine. We got to switch, man. <laughs> hey, how did that work out? I don't know. So uh, <laughs> I, I love to ask people who come on this show who it is that they admire, because we could talk about the career of Kevin E. West all day long. And I'll tell you, it's pretty amazing when you look at the bio of the stuff you've got to do and the people who you've encountered and worked with. But I think that great entrepreneurs, I think they're observers. So I love to ask people who come on the show, who are you looking at saying that, that, he or she, they're doing something really cool. Um, you know, I there are there are so many out there. I, I will be honest. I, I've looked at Richard Branson for years, and and uh, not that he's somebody that's that's unknown, but I have always thought that that uh, he was a, a pretty amazing entrepreneur, especially way back when when he first started. I, I think what Phil Knight did uh, with Nike was pretty crazy. But then, you know, even in within my industry, there are people. I think a lot of the things what what Clooney has done with his career in terms of some entrepreneurial things, as well as Ron Howard, that you know don't get looked at a lot because they look we look at what their what their entertainment value is. We don't necessarily look at what their their entrepreneurial aspects. But and then the other person that comes to mind recently is the the gal that had come up with the blood test that came under some fire. But it's people pushing envelopes like that. I, I love to see the entrepreneurs that are doing things with waste. I'm I'm going to be potentially involved with a company next year 
that is doing something with with waste in terms of creating soil conditioner that just simply hasn't been done. And it's, it's I like to call them the anti-Monsanto. And <laughs> those kind of an entrepreneurs that are trying to take, you know, food waste or any other waste, and not just in a recycling way, but in a way to actually healthily change our lives. Um, that kind of entrepreneurship, even though I'm a longtime actor, I, I grew up in the rural South. I grew up around, you know, horses and methane gas and the meat, the meat culture and anything that can somehow help consistently uh, save our planet in, in certain ways. Um, I, I back a lot of what's going on in, in that sort of space. Which, uh, I look at it a lot. Which leads us to my last question, and that is sort of what do you do to give back to the greater good of society? Because I think as entrepreneurs, we, we got to do more than make money. And so I love to find out sort of what people's causes are. So, so what do you do? Well, I've spoken for free uh, quite a bit, and I also spent 10 years of my life um, in honor of a friend of mine that died of melanoma. I did a 10-year celebrity golf tournament for free uh, thousands of hours of my life in terms of skin cancer. Um, so that, that is one of the sort of charitable philanthropic things that I've, that I've done, but I have gone out to, uh, more than one place around more than one city in this country and done the best I can to educate people with regards to their own selves and how they are to go about doing anything forward moving. I have a couple of different topics. Again, like I said, I'm moving into sort of some of the social life issues. So I have a topic like how to build your spider web in terms of, the over overused term networking. I do the best I can to try and get people to not maybe see as much fog in front of them as they, as they believe they have. I'm a big advocate of kind of just taking a fan and wafting the fog away and go, it's not as hard as you think it is. It's always going to be difficult to execute, but the getting started part is not as hard as you think it is. And try to encourage people to always be more entrepreneurial. I don't know how else to be, Tom. I imagine you don't either. I, I, I've, I've had corporate jobs briefly in my life. I just learned a long time ago that's just not the place I belong. <laughs> and, and I think a lot of people, and certainly with the technology we have for today, it seems more viable, but sometimes because it seems more viable, it kind of causes people to trip themselves up because they, they jump into it too quick without thinking things through. So I'm a big advocate of, I spend a lot of time in my life trying to help people think things through to not only see that they can, but also to start well. Well, and I think that that is, is so true that so many people, and I know it's true of a lot of the people who listen to this show, you know, they, they really, they have that corporate job, but they, they want to be doing something else. And so that's why I think that, you know, when I interview people like you, it, it is a service to people out there because, you know, you're by just being on the show and just sharing your journey and, and showing sort of the things you did that were, you know, against the grain, but allowed you to, to grow that inspires somebody too. And I think, I think that's awesome. And we had talked before we came on that I have a friend who just moved out to Hollywood Hollywood uh, to pursue his dream. And he's young. And I told him, look, don't be 50, you know, one years old and say, I never gave it a try. And so he's in his mid twenties and he's out there, you know, trying to give it a go. And, you know, one of the first things you said to me was, yeah, I'll talk to him. And I just loved that because not everyone has that instant, you know, thought of, of course, I'll help your friend. And so I kind of know you, you have that giver's soul. I could tell that even on our pre-call when we were just talking about this. Um, so that's awesome. So if people are listening to the show and they're like, I have to know more about Kevin E. West. I mean, the first thing you got to do is like I did while we were talking, I went to 
IMDb. And it turns out I totally know who he is because his pictures show up. And, you know, I've seen him in all these shows. And it's like, oh, I should have probably done that before I interviewed him. But uh, check him out online and you'll be like, I know who this guy is. I've seen him on shows before. But if people are listening and they think, I, I got to know more about him or or maybe I need to find out about the online, you know, version of the Actors Network. How do they find you? Where do they go? Pretty, pretty easy. First, you can follow me. Twitter's at the Kevin E. That's easy. Um, the Actors Network is actors-network.com. And if you just put the Actors Network in Google, it'll come up. Uh, and then also my, my own website is kevinewest.com. So I'm pretty easy to find. And all of the stuff about the online membership and the, the 25 hours of content for the webinars, that's all on the Actors Network website. Uh, private consultations, all those things are there. And and, and also, what's your, on Amazon, and what's your book? Uh, my book is Seven Deadly Sins The Actor Overcomes, and it's, it's on Amazon. So it's, and it's all in the business. My book is not on the craft. It's on, it's on the business side of this profession, uh, which is you know the part that we don't get much education on. There's a lot of false information out there now, even worse made by the Internet. There's just all kinds of yahoos putting stuff on YouTube that – really should not be discussing this profession. Um, so that's, that's, <laughs> oh my God, that book. <laughs> Kevin, you've, you've just touched on the thing that is my biggest pet peeve. There are so many people out there who are doing classes on how to get rich as a speaker, right? How to make it in the speaking business, be a, be a six figure, mm-hmm. you know, professional speaker. And many of these people have never made six figures, much less seven figures as a speaker in their career or if they did it was 20 years ago and they found they could make more money trying to separate people from hopes and dreams by by putting on seminars it's like no 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 if you want to be a speaker get around people who are doing it my my first question for anyone who wants to be a speaker is how many speaker friends do you have like people you go have a beer with because if the answer is zero it's going to be a hard business to get to know and so uh, so <laughs> i'm sure it's the same thing in hollywood but my guess is and i think i'm going to go buy your book because I bet the seven deadly sins the actor overcomes, I bet a lot of those can be translated to those of us in other industries. I bet we all fall into the same thing as Hollywood because Hollywood's just a business. So I think we all should go buy seven deadly sins the actor overcomes because it's probably true for the realtor. It's probably true for the lawyer. And it's probably true for the professional speaker all at the same time. No question. I had my, my sister was the person who edited the book. Because she doesn't just cough diamonds. Um, she's type A to the and She's a complete business person. She has a business degree, a master. She was a controller at a law firm. And she was editing my book. And she said, Kevin, this, this, this applies to me too. And I go, yeah, I know. <laughs> so so it's, it, is, it, is, it is the seven sins. It is the sins. You know, lust and wrath and greed and pride. But it, I just put the word actor in front of it. But as you read through it, a lot of the techniques and principles that I used to infuse towards actors are – certainly applicable to the salesperson, certainly applicable to any of the folks who are trying to do something that's, you know, that's less than math and science. And most of life is subjective. It's not math and science. So, well, in Hollywood, it's just, it's just a business. Law is a business. Medicine, healthcare is a business. You know, everything's a business and there's a lot of things that run true. So I bet your book will hold very true for all of us. So I recommend we all go get that. So Kevin, thanks again for being a guest here on the show. Absolute pleasure, Tom. My pleasure. Anytime. Hey, and thank you to everybody who tuned in. I say it every single time. If it wasn't for the audience, we wouldn't have a show. So we're going to be back in a couple of days with an interview with somebody just as cool as Kevin. But before we go, you can follow us on Twitter. It's at Cool Podcast. We're on Facebook. Cool things entrepreneurs do. You can join the Potential Mastermind group that I have. You just go to PotentialMastermind.com 
And if you want to reach out to me, it's Tom Singer, T-H-O-M-S-I-N-G-E-R.com. And you can find all the information that I have about what I do right there. So come back for the next episode. But in the meantime, go out there and have a great day. Thank you for being part of the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast. Without your participation and listening to these conversations, there is no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter at at TomSinger. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>